In the book of Psalms, the scripture says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The shepherd provides for the sheep. What happens when that provision comes and you don't like the method or the means in which it is done? On today, we're gonna look at the Lord answering a need through ravens and pancakes. Make sure you stay tuned. You are listening to Good Treasure Podcast Show with your Bible teacher, Darius Good. He is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and founder of Good Treasure Ministries. He is the author of the books Unlocking Godly Wisdom, Fear of the Lord, David, Man of War, and the children's book series The Adventures of Rai Rai. For more information, visit the website at DariusGood.com. For more information regarding the church, visit the church's website at bgc.family. And now, here's your Bible teacher, Darius Good. Thank you for joining us on today. My name is Darius Good. I am the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center. Our church is located in Hamden, Connecticut. For more information regarding the church, visit our church's website at bgc.family. You can find our service times, directions to the building. You can also join us virtually for our Sunday morning services, as well as PUSH, where we do our Bible studies on Fridays. For more information regarding the podcast show, as well as my other podcast show, or even books that I've written, visit my website at DariusGood.com. That's D-A-R-I-U-S-G-O-O-D.com. All that information is there on the website. And if you miss any portion of the episodes of the radio shows, they're all posted on the podcast shows. So you can find that information on the website, DariusGood.com. We don't, we don't just have this show, the Good Treasure Podcast Show, but we also have the Divorced Christian Podcast Show, which is available for Christians who have experienced divorce. On today, we're going to look at the Lord answering prayers, answering a need that an individual had through ravens and pancakes. So you're listening to episode 27 entitled Ravens and Pancakes. When we are in a need, the scripture gives us instructions on what to do. It says, come boldly into the throne room of grace and we can find help in our time of need. How does how do we apply that scripture? We come into the throne room of grace through prayer. Through the blood of Jesus, we have rights and access to the Father through his name by which we can make our request known. So we're talking about the prayer of petition. When we have a need, we can come to our Father, our Heavenly Father, and make a request known, and he'll begin to provide for us. Now, what I've learned in my experience of walking with the Lord Sometimes the answer comes in a way that I would not prefer. It comes in a way that you were not expecting. I'll just give you two quick biblical examples. The nation of Israel was uh, in bondage in Israel. They were slaves for a total of 400 years. The scripture says that actually it was a total of 430 years. But during that time period, they're praying for deliverance. They're, being, they're praying to be set free, and they're calling for God's intervention in their problem, in their circumstance. And so 
God answers the prayer, not by sending a general to show up and deliver them from bondage. He answers their prayer by allowing a woman to get pregnant. Now, I have a major problem with that solution. Because if I'm currently in bondage and the Lord says, I've sent the answer, and then he points to a woman that is now pregnant, that makes me uh, understand, leads me to understand that I have to wait till this child becomes an adult, probably, before they could be used as a deliverer. And so God allows Moses to be born. And of course, this is during the time of a national decree by the king that all male boys, male children were to be killed. The midwives were instructed by Pharaoh to kill them once they were birthed. And so Moses was taken and put into a basket and floated down the river where he became adopted into Pharaoh's family by the daughter of Pharaoh. And he was raised as a prince. The scripture says that he was learned in the ways of the Egyptians. He learned their processes. He learned their government, the structure of government. He learned international law and diplomacy. He learned military operations. He was he had a front row seat to government. And all of this was part of the preparation because he was not just the, the deliverer for the nation of Israel. He was the lawgiver. So he had to understand not just law, but how to govern and run a nation. He was about to deliver the people from Egypt, but now birth a nation and put their government structure in place. So all of this was a part of God's plan. But the answer to their deliverance came in seed form. Moses, an answer in seed form. It had to grow and mature. And so there's a difference between receiving an answer in seed form and receiving an answer that comes as fruit. And we have to learn to receive both types. On today, we're going to look at the story of Elijah the Tishbite. He was a prophet. And I'm going to go to his story here in 1 Kings chapter 17. And it talks about a famine where it did not rain. And it was a result of a prophetic word pronounced by Elijah over the region. And so in verse 1, 17, chapter 17, verse 1, it says, Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said unto Ahab, who was the king, the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand. There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Elijah gave a prophetic word regarding the rain, that it would not rain, and he gives a length of time, which was years. I want to highlight the fact that Elijah was not exempt from his prophetic word. So if he pronounces a word of drought over the nation of Israel, as long as he remained in Israel, he was going to be affected by the word that he prophesied. It's important that prophets understand this. If you're going to release a word, a prophetic word, prophesy over a person's life. Sometimes we are affected by the word that we pronounced over that family. So now we have a drought that begins and Elijah begins to feel the effects 
of the drought. Elijah needs a word from the Lord on how he is to manage during this drought. And so when we go to verse two of this passage, the Lord gives him instructions. First Kings chapter 17, verse two, and the word of the Lord came unto him. So Elijah's not trying to figure out the solution to the problem. He waits on the Lord to give him a word. Verse three, get thee hence, turn thee eastward and hide thyself. So now he has to travel east. He's to go to the brook Sherith. That is before Jordan. So he knows the location. Now, key detail, hide yourself. So don't just go to the brook, but he's also to be remain hidden during this time. No one's to know that he's there. Verse four. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Now, here's interesting. The ravens are commanded by God to feed him there. That means if he goes to any other location, his provision would not be met. His needs would not be met. He would have to find his own solution, his own way to solve this problem. So for me to get the provisions from heaven, as the Lord has orchestrated during this time that my needs are to be met, I got to make sure I'm in the right location. Verse five. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Sherith, that is before Jordan. Notice verse six, and the ravens. This is a miracle. Because ravens do not come and bring people food. And so we see this interaction. According to God's word, as the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. So his needs are being met. We don't know the length of time that he stayed there, but verse 7 says, And it came to pass after a while. So he was at the brook for a while, and daily these ravens came and provided bread and meat. The brook provided the source of water to quench his thirst. But after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Now, let's stop there and let's paint this picture of reality because we often read through scriptures very quickly and we don't get a hold of what is transpiring. What I find interesting about ravens is ravens were considered dirty birds. According to the law of Moses, that was one bird that they were not to have interaction with. If you remember the story of Noah, Noah sent out the raven. The raven did not return. They're scavengers. They'll live on a carcass. And so then Noah sends out a a dove. Now, doves are clean animals, so they're not going to rest on a carcass. So the dove could not find peace and returned to Noah. And eventually, we know the story, brought a uh, a leaf back, allowing Noah to know that the, the land was drying up, allowing them now to exit the ark. Leviticus 11 calls ravens an abomination. They weren't to eat, to be eaten by the Israelites. God called them unclean. 
And yet God chose an unclean bird to provide food for Elijah. Here's my question to you. Would you allow God to use a unclean source to provide for your needs? Now, most would jump to yes, yes, because I had a need that needs to be uh, be answered. And we'll just take any answer to solve the problem. But understanding the Jewish mentality, they understood what was lawful, what was unlawful, what was clean, what was unclean, what was a abomination unto God. And so I find it very interesting. God would choose to feed Elijah through this means, an unclean bird. I know a lot of people, as I taught this message on one of the Sundays, they said they wouldn't have ate the food. They're not going to eat the food that was dropped off by a raven. Now, maybe in time, once hunger began to set in, you got over uh, those, those personal issues, not allowing you to, to touch something touched by a raven. But here's the interesting thing. God had already spoke to Elijah. Because if you go back to verse 4, before Elijah arrived at the brook, God told him, you shall drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So now your mind has to adjust itself. You know the voice of God. You know the voice of your father. You know the voice of your shepherd. And I shall not want. And he makes provision for us. And so when the Lord speaks, and he may say something that goes against your, your theology, it may go against your, what you feel is morale, morality. It may go against what you prefer, what you deem unclean. But if the Lord has said it, I've learned, let it be so. This is the answer to the problem. Because it's not just about getting food. It was also about remaining hidden in a certain place. The scripture reveals to us that Obadiah, he had searched the land along with King Ahab. They looked everywhere. The scripture says that it was a total of three years. They looked not only through Israel, but they looked through foreign nations as well, trying to locate Elijah. They could not find him. It was like he was a ghost. He had completely disappeared off the face of the earth. But that's because... Elijah followed the instructions God had given him. And so now he's drinking water from a brook and God is providing his needs through a unclean source. I've learned I have to make adjustments sometime. You may not like the individual God sends to you to provide. You may not like the circumstance so if this detail was different, I would be okay with it. Well, they may be a unclean bird, but this is who God chose to send to you to take care of you for a while. Let's go to the second provision. The brook begins to dry up. Verse seven, it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. 
And the word of the Lord came to him again, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. Many of us don't think twice about this. Elijah goes to the widow woman. We get excited over the fact that another miracle occurs. In verse 15, 1 Kings 17, 15, we have the story of this miracle. The woman who was preparing to make food for her son, they only had enough meal for one day. The, uh, Elijah instructs her to make a cake for him first, feed him, and then make food for yourself. She obeyed Elijah and she began to cook. And verse 16 explains that the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. The meal reproduced on a daily basis, the oil reproduced on a daily basis, and this occurred the entire length of the famine. During this drought, God did a sustained miracle. So there's a one-time miracle that might occur. A, a eyes that were, were born, a person born blind, but their eyes did not function. It's missing some key ingredients. Now their eyes are open and they can see. That's not a healing. That's a miracle. And so in those cases, that's a one-time experience. But this is a sustained miracle. A sustained miracle in the case of a blind eye would be if a person's born without a retina and then God heals them and they still don't have a retina, but they can see clearly through their eyes. That would be a sustained miracle. But the woman believed the, the word of the prophet. And as I said, we jump to this portion of the story, ignoring the instruction given to Elijah. Destruction was to go to Zidon. There's a woman there, a widow woman that is going to sustain you. Now let's give this some thought. A widow woman is a woman, and as we know more detail about her circumstance, this widow woman, husband dies, she has a son. The two of them are trying to sustain themselves as a result of this famine in the land. You might view that circumstance of me as a man Coming into the woman's house, showing up at her house, now I am a burden to this woman, a woman and her young son. You might view yourself as, am I taking advantage of this woman? She's going to provide for me, not just one day. I'm not just a journeyman. I'm not on a journey passing through. I came to her house to stay. For an extended period of time. How many men would have been okay with that? Now, we do not, uh, and I stress this, we do not understand Jewish culture. We don't. But in our context of our time and era, how many church individuals, brothers and sisters of Christ, would have been okay with the national prophet coming to town and now living with one of the widow women at the church. I think the church would have had a major problem with it. 
may not have said anything week one, week three. But then after a while, we begin to talk. You know, the prophet is still at sister so-and-so's house. I say it again. We don't understand Jewish cultures. So we don't know really how their response would have been to Elijah being there, remaining at the woman's house. It's also probable that no one knew he was there because Elijah was in hiding. And as we know, in the next chapter, when Obadiah comes across him, he explains that we still could not find you. So maybe those in that town did not know Elijah was there. They might not have known he was in Zarephath. So there he is just pretty much in hiding at this woman's house. But then what does he feel in that circumstance? Just putting myself in that position, I think after several months, several years, you begin to feel like a burden. You begin to feel like I need to bring more to this situation. How can I be a help to this mom and to this son, not realizing my presence being there was enough? And so I raise this question to you as we have titled today's message, Ravens and Pancakes. How many of us would have allowed a widow woman to sustain us over a lengthy period of time? What if she contacts you and said, I was told by the Lord to send you $100 a week and she does it for the next year. Do you begin to feel some type of way? Well, I I feel uh, more concerned about her and her situation, but that's not the instruction from God. You don't refuse the answer that has come to your need, to your petition. God chose to do it this way. God commanded that woman to do that during this time in Elijah's life. And so even in our life, God might command an individual to do something in our lives that we need during this time and period. I'm not to look at their their circumstance. I'm not to look at their uh, uh, read what's going on in their house and assume I know what's going on. And so we began to close our hand rather than having our hand open to receive. People have missed out on God's answers to their prayers because they didn't like the circumstance. I don't like ravens. Why couldn't God use any other creature rather than a raven? Well, that's the the creature, the bird that he chose. Why does he have to choose a widow woman? Why couldn't have been a husband and wife that was well off? I would feel more. I'll feel better if Joe Osteen wrote me a check for a thousand dollars. than I would for the woman that is struggling down the street to write me a check for a thousand dollars. But you don't get to determine how God answers our prayers. We come before him boldly and we declare what the problem is, but we will not boldly accept the answer when the answer comes. I've learned not to judge the answer to my prayer request. 
I've had circumstances in life where the answer came and I didn't like the answer. I've experienced the widow woman providing for me during a time. I didn't like it. They're writing me checks on a monthly basis. I didn't like it. I'm talking about true story, not 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 an example. I'm talking about a real experience that I'm going through currently of someone writing checks, doing this for me as commanded by God. And I struggled with it. Lord, I need to be in a position where they don't have to do that anymore. And the Lord said, I commanded them to do this. It's not for you to get out of this position so that they don't do that anymore. I had to make some adjustments to my heart to receive the answer to my prayer with gratitude, not with guilt. I'm going to read this last passage here in Luke chapter 8. I find this a very interesting scripture. Luke 8, I'm going to read out of the NET version. Sometime afterward, Jesus went on through towns and villages, preaching and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him. And also some women, women, multiple women who had been healed of evil spirits and disabilities. Mary called Magdalene. We always highlight Mary, but it was more than just her that was healed. And the scripture reveals here in this verse of whom seven demons had gone out of. And it says, and Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Harold's household manager. And then there was Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their own resources, out of their own substances. Even in Jesus' ministry, women provided for him. This was God's plan. And I've learned to be okay with God's plan for my life. Until next time, be blessed. You have been listening to Good Treasure Podcast Show with your Bible teacher, Darius Good. This was a Good Treasure Ministries production. Darius is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and author of the books Unlocking Godly Wisdom, Fear of the Lord, David, Man of War, and the children's book series The Adventures of Rai Rai. To learn more about these books or to listen to other episodes of our podcast show, visit our website today at DariusGood.com. For more information regarding the church, visit the church's website at bgc.family. We pray that today's episode has brought revelation and enlightenment. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast show. And until next time, may God open unto you his good treasure. Be blessed.